Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 94. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, professional cuddler and online dating profile ghostwriter, Clint Jones. Clint Jones, how is it going helping other people to love each other a little bit better? It's going pretty good. I mean, uh, there's a lot of complaints that I need to cut my nails, but I just refuse because I'm also going for the, you know, the world record for longest nails. Excellent. Excellent. So it kind of hinders the cuddling, but some, like the the clientele that I have, I like think they're lifelonger. So it's pretty good. Good. Lifers are always helpful. And those nails, I mean, you know, they're malleable enough. They can stretch and sort of just wrap around people. Yeah. It's like double cuddling. It's extra cuddling. It's double cuddling. It's slightly disgusting. Uh, I have one creeping up my shoulder and around my neck right now, which is fully disturbing. I'm four feet away too. So I'm on my way to that record. It is uh, really terrifying and I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, Clint, (laughs) how's your week been? Uh, it's been um, a pretty normal week of, you know, just an ordinary life, Ken. Good. And how was your week? Uh, my my week was not ordinary life. I, as I said, when you walked in the door of the studio today, uh, anytime you want to start taking the weeks from me so I can stop saying, oh, I've had a week. Yeah. I am more than happy to hand a pile of those off to you. Uh, no, my wife was in the hospital and I spent several days trying to figure all that out with her. Uh, and, uh, the hospital just wouldn't let her go to the other hospital that has all of her specialists and doctors. And so she was basically uh, a prisoner in some weird sci-fi dystopia for, for three straight days. It was lovely. Sounds like a boring movie. Yeah. Well, and if I, if I keep talking, people immediately identify exactly which town we're from because our hospital is infamous for just being the worst. Uh, we have amazing nurses, but everything beyond nurse. Oh, boy. Don't die in our little town. Janitors are good, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I would rather right. talk to a janitor uh, and and ask him questions about uh, heart issues and vascular systems than to uh, deal with the specialists that, uh, that we got to meet, uh, which we didn't meet because he never walked in the room. He just mm. did everything from afar. It was... Um, it was like a, some very, very dour practical joke show. He knew not to get close to he did, your he wife. Did. But anyway, the, the weeks from here on out for the year are yours. You get to have a week. I no longer want any of these weeks. I'm I'm about done with 2023. I think my week will come down to like what will, will like entail a bad week for me, which is like I ran out of tea or something. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's I had to make a second <laughs> trip to the grocery store. And that's what Clint does. Clint basically comes in my house and he has something to complain about. And, you know, I'm just staring at him, uh, you know, with 72 stitches across my open skull and, oh, tell me more. It sounds so horrible. You shouldn't have rode that bike off that bridge. I shouldn't have. They dared you, but you shouldn't have. They did. Those little kids were convincing. Yeah. And I just, I can't turn away from a dare from grade schoolers. It just that would, that, feels weak. Some would say that's a fault in your <laughs> yeah, character. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, this week, uh, I'm very excited uh, to talk about uh, two things. We'll find out if Clint is excited to talk about two things. Uh, but the first one is one that I had my eye on for a long time. Can I ask you a question first? Of course. <laughs> of course. Did you want to do any what you watching about? I have not what you watch you anything. Can I what you watch you a couple you things? You can definitely if you have something to share and I'll scan my recent views and see if I have any what you watchings. So before we get to our main feature, Clint, what you been watching about? Thank you, Ken. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um 
I was still uh, really stuck in horror land from Ooh. all our Halloween watching. Nice. So I, I, I cleaned up um, the season with a couple really good ones that I was happy to find. Uh, the first was Opera from 1987 by Dario Argento. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, quite the the Jallo Gallo. Uh, yeah, Giallo. Giallo. I never know how to say it, but uh, quite quite the little classic. I there. Um, really like this movie. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably be on my list of um, you know discoveries that I've never seen, but are older films for the year. Yeah, um, it was the perfect amount of like artsy fartsiness hmm. and um, and camp. The kills in it. Have you seen this movie? Yes. Okay. Yes. The kills in it are fantastic. This is the one with the straight razor, right? On the cover. Uh, or is that, am I thinking of a different cover? I know the I'm movie. Trying it to just, think. Uh, it's, it's one of those like old VHS covers okay. that I remember seeing as a child. And then later on when I finally started to go through and watch these things. Um, that might be in there. Okay. I'm, I, I, I'm not remembering I every scene. Wrong. That might be Tenabre or, or whatever that okay. one is. Uh, um, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but the kills in it are fantastic, and like, like that's not usually something I go into a horror film for. Mm-hmm. But when I recognize that the quality of it is in super inventive and like for the time period, really um, pushing what was capable, mm-hmm. um, like this does it, and like, and it has the perfect like. The whole film is scored with like this beautiful opera um, singing that mm-hmm. like just, I mean, fits with the theme of the film. But then <laughs> when it gets to the kills, it goes into straight on like eighties rock and roll. <laughs> like it's such a juxtaposition between the two yeah. things, but like it works really well and just makes those moments even heightened to yeah. another degree. But man, I really like this film. Um, <laughs> I w- was surprised how much because I'm still like I'm new to getting into the whole line of Dario Argento films. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I really like Suspiria. Yeah. Um, but this one really surprised me. I, well, and a lot of his earlier stuff, I, I think, is more memorable than uh, once you get into the mid-90s mm. uh, and beyond. Um, it just... And and I think it's not that that he becomes a lesser filmmaker. I think horror just kind of takes the the gauntlet and runs with it. Yeah. And there are other people doing more interesting things, I guess, but he sort of just fell away. It was uh but I I love his his early 70s and 80s. Yeah, this was uh, from 87, stuff. so it's yeah. kind of on that cusp of yeah. between uh but yeah, if you haven't seen that, it's great. Awesome. Well, looking at my my uh what I've been watching, uh I realize I have actually been watching some stuff. Uh there's a new horror movie out called Suitable Flesh. Uh, oh, I, which uh-huh. has been getting some buzz. Yeah. And uh, it's from director Joe Lynch, and it's about a psychiatrist treating a patient, uh, you know, suddenly with uh, some schizophrenia or multiple personality disorders or something. But very quickly, it becomes obvious that there's something else going on involving possession and some sort of Lovecraftian mm-hmm. uh, demigod or, or something like that, heavy on the Lovecraft. So as always, I'm very excited with anything Lovecraft. Uh, unfortunately, this is one that I felt like uh, really just very intentionally wanted to camp everything up. Yeah. Uh, reanimator style. And I'm fine with that. I love reanimator. Yeah. But I just I, I get a little tired of that style being applied to all of the Lovecraft adaptations oh, that, right. that seem to come around. And I, I just want something 
super dark and heavy and yeah. and just unnerving. And I never seem to get it. And Suitable Flesh stars Heather Graham mm-hmm. uh, and, a, and a few other people. And they're fine. But you can tell that they're doing that high-end camp yeah. uh, sort of you know performance and, and everything on down. And the, the movie doesn't look great. There's one really standout sequence where somebody uh, kills somebody else and uh, does it by backing their car into them several times. Uh-huh. But you see it all through the rearview camera. <laughs> And that was just that was that was that one moment yeah. where I was just like, well, "That's delightful." Yeah, I've never seen that. That's fun. Uh, otherwise, uh, me, yeah, it was you know suitable flesh. It's I, I guess it's worth renting, especially if you like camp. But uh, I just didn't work for me. I didn't, saw didn't I watched out. the trailer for it, and mm-hmm. I was curious about it, and just haven't. So maybe I won't. Uh, the trailer I had watched, yeah. and I was I was much more invested, and in, I knew there was a, a bit of. Yeah, it seemed to campy it. to me. Uh, but this is very, uh, almost gratingly campy. Yeah. And I, I can go with that if the filmmaking's up to snuff, but but everything beyond even the performances and the writing is just, it it just, it looks cheap. It, it, it just has that, I don't know, it's not like Color Out of Space where yeah. uh, it, it, it at least looked like, uh, you know, really good production and 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 things like that and the actors were never taking it as camp there was camp in it but it was it was more um you know kind of horror forward um if there is such a thing was it kind of like that what was it glory about the glory yes. yeah it, it was a lot like that yeah. but even then more more intentionally campy yeah, than yeah. that and i just uh i have no doubt some people will like this mm-hmm. i i think it'll definitely be in some people's lanes but it just it wasn't in mine if this had been made in the 80s and it had that 80s look uh i think i would have actually enjoyed it mm-hmm. it would have been different but if if it would have just had kind of that that throwback uh vibe especially like what you like in killer clowns and things like that yeah. i'd be recommending it to you but it's that it's that new modern uh camp uh that that is trying to be throwback, yeah. but just never quite right. Yeah, nails that tone. Yeah, yeah, uh, and just it's feels like imi- more like yeah, imitation yeah, of that. Yeah. yeah, and it feels more like intentionally bad performances mm-hmm. instead of just oh, you know, these actors are really doing their best, and it comes out campy, but there's something appealing about that. Yeah, uh, that that is just it wasn't here for me. Um, the second thing I'm going to talk about is another older film. Okay. I'm going to be jumping up a decade, and this oh. is from 1997, and this is Cure. Um, and this is he, he, can you spell that? Cure. So, oh, Cure. C- yeah, C- I thought you C-U-R-E. said Cure, and I'm no. thinking like K I O R, or is this like a <laughs> Cure? It's from Denmark. It's you know. <laughs> um, this is directed by uh, Kyoshi uh, Kurosawa, who did mm-hmm. Pulse and yeah. um, We Vanish. Have you seen this film? Mm-hmm. I have. I absolutely love this film. Oh, God bless you, kid. That um, I do. It, this is a it's um, it's this film is beyond like a horror film yeah. it's like just like this psychological like psychological horror thriller it's a it's about a um detective who's investigating a series of murders that aren't linked but they are in the way it's killed like because they're all done by different people and he's getting into like what is connecting these things and then comes across this stranger mm-hmm. and how he and he's trying to tie like figure out how this stranger is connected to all this because seemingly he's not um and it goes down such strange path strange paths it's beautifully shot like um i was so surprised for like 
this is like a highly regarded film that I just was not aware of. And um, it, just for that time period, it's doing things that I feel like an A24, a A24 film would be going after right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd put this up there with, you know, anything like Fincher was doing at this time period. This is such a tonal piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched this on Criterion, and there's a really good um, visual audio essay that a director did to go along with it. Mm-hmm. And it's going through something that I never really thought of um, as different, but he really lays it out in a convincing way through this film and going through other uh, horror films and mm-hmm. just films in general, laying out the difference between tone and mood. Mm. Um it was a really fascinating dissection of like doing it through this film mm-hmm. and how he, this director used tone and mood in different ways. And um, it, it was really interesting mm-hmm. to then like think about it through that lens. Yeah. And, and um, but man, this film blew me away immediately went on Amazon had bought it on Criterion. Yeah. Um, another one, if you haven't seen, it's so good. And, and anytime somebody uses the word original, that's, that's a, loaded word but this really does feel like something that uh, i mean it's assembled from familiar parts but just at the base level everything beyond that it it really uh is is inventive and um uh really at least when i watched it really kept me kind of kind of glued to the screen and just where is this going and how is this working and what's unfolding and um it it engaged me on all sorts of levels and left me with with very strange feelings, which oh, I it was appreciate. the best kind of horror, like yeah, like or movie just in general, leaving it from where you're questioning what you watched mm-hmm. and also left in this place because of the tone and mood yeah. of it. Um, and it's it is another one of those films where we've talked previously where they use sound in very interesting ways where like pulling music out and just putting like wind or natural sounds to fill in those gaps and, and sounds from the environment of the characters um, to like, you know, paint a different kind of picture Mm -hmm. of what's happening. Um, It it, like the premise of it, I'm not going to give the premise away at all. The premise is as blind as possible. (laughs) Oh, for sure. But it's just the premise alone is, for me felt such like such an original route for a like horror thriller mm-hmm. that you something you never thought of before as one of those kind of yeah. could be an element of a film like that and um yeah just one of those movies where it's left you questioning like what you just saw and are you viewing this correctly because i yes. watched into the movie thinking uh, one thing about it and then watching like that essay on it in an interview with the main character um like just thinking about it completely different ways yeah. and those are one some of my favorite films it's really great on a rewatch too oh, i think yeah. i've watched it two times i don't think i've watched it three why have you never but, recommended uh, this to me I, man i watch so much stuff <laughs> i can't keep track and who knows maybe i recommended it at some point no i would have remembered this maybe i don't know no so good yeah. I was like, Thor, Love, and Thunder, and then this movie, Cure, and you were so caught up on Thor, Love, and Thunder. What are you talking about that you missed You missed all those times I talked about Cure? If you go back through the podcast, you'll hear me talk about it like every other episode. Oh, man. I'm really missing it. <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to going through some of his other films. I had yeah. seen um, – I don't think I've ever saw Pulse, but – um, I had seen Before We Vanish, which that was a recent one of his films. I haven't seen that one. Um, I've seen Pulse. And it's a really strange, interesting, like sci-fi film. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, okay, cool stuff. Uh, I also I've been eyeballing uh, this movie for quite a while, and I just it, it was kind of on the fence, and I didn't want to uh, pay a lot of money for it. And uh, I have stars on Amazon Prime, and it finally got scooped up mm-hmm. by stars, so I got to watch it for relatively free. And that is Sisu. Uh, which oh, is, I saw this. Did you? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a World War II sort of flick. It's about uh, a, a former uh, military turned prospector mm-hmm. uh, who gets just a load of gold out in the wilderness and starts hiking home, and he runs into some some Nazis at the the end of World War II, and uh, they obviously want the gold. And what ensues is uh, kind of a John Wickian level kill streak of yeah. you know. Um, I, I was really looking forward to this, but I, I couldn't get a – just listening to different people talk about it, I couldn't tell if it was something I was going to like or if it was going to be too far into kind of the uh, – not camp. What's the other word? Um, oh, it escapes me. But anyway, if, mm-hmm. uh, if it was going to have a, just a little bit too much over the top. Yeah. Uh, and and I watched it and I enjoyed it very much, but it, it does – what was that uh, film we watched with uh, the whole thing takes place on the plane? And uh, there's like the gremlin uh, creeping around this World War II plane. And yeah. That one. Yeah. The same kind of feeling with this. There were some times where it was just really grounded and gritty and I was loving it. And other times where it's just like no human can possibly survive this. Yeah. But sometimes I enjoyed that. Sometimes I, I felt it was a little too far. Um, but overall, it, like, I'm not upset that I watched it, but I, I was happy that I didn't pay uh, <laughs> solid money for it. I, I paid solid money for okay. it. Well, it was like $4. It was yeah. one, it, but I kind of walked away the exact same place with it. I think little less by the end because it gets so ridiculous yeah. by the end. Um, like the movie you're talking about with the gremlin, I feel like because it had the gremlin yep. element, yep. I was willing to have that element of like disbelief. Yeah. Like where I was like, okay, that, that it doesn't really matter because it's already heightened to that yeah. degree. This, it just like, it was heightening things too much by the end, especially yeah. on the plane. Yeah, that, and, and I think it could have gotten away with one or two yeah. moments. Uh, especially, I would have gone with him surviving a full-fledged hanging. I, I could have yeah. suspended disbelief yeah. just enough based on this character being just yeah. a near-immortal level. Yeah. Uh, just spirit of vengeance or whatever. I I could have gone with that. I would think I was still but, with it at that point. But once it got to yeah. the plane, that's where I was just like, no, yeah, no. That was exactly no. the point where like yeah. I was still enjoying it, but then I was like, eh, it's kind of dropped. Yeah. A bit. I I needed it to to return. Not pun not intended, but I needed to return to Earth and just get back to. Yeah, I'm just going to kill these people who took my gold. Yeah, and and I don't think the ending needed to be what it was. It it could have just stayed on the ground and just. Um, you know, I'm making it sound like all of this takes place in the air. It does not, but it it could have just stayed grounded. And um, and even then, uh, you know, mild spoilers, I guess. But uh, you know, you get to the end, and he's not even the one that that kills most of these Nazis. Right. I, I think he might kill two. It in in the big you know showdown mm-hmm. uh, because there are other characters introduced, and I get what they were going for there, and. But it it's like it couldn't decide whether it was a liberation movie or a lone wolf vengeance movie. Yeah, especially since they gave those characters such little time, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, I was comparing it to there was a film on Netflix. I uh, can't remember the name. Yep. Gold. Yeah. Which I actually thought was a I better enjoyed f- much more. I thought it was a better yep. film. And, I went and watched that after because you had recommended yeah. it 
uh, on one of our What You Watchings. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh, I'll watch that one first. You know, that was months ago. Yeah. I was like, oh, I need to watch this one first before Sisu comes out because yeah. everybody's raving about Sisu. Yeah. But 100% agree. The one on Netflix is head and shoulders above this one. Yeah. And I thought I was going to go out of like, because I enjoyed that film yeah. thinking, oh, it'll probably it'll be the lesser version. Yeah. Like that's of what this. I thought too. And then I was like, oh, actually, that was a better version yep. of that. Yep. Again, and, Go ahead. It, it the characters had more yeah. like depth to them, even though I did like the idea of this silent character. But then it just by the end, it just didn't have enough. Yeah, yeah. What were you no. going to say? I, I like say, sorry. I was just going to yeah. elaborate on that, but just same thing. I and and I found myself, especially the back half of this movie, thinking more and more. Yeah, uh, about that one. Um, and very similar, very similar plots, and it yeah. just. Uh, the the other one I think took more time with its characters and yeah. and made you care more, which we just talked about the other week about you know with with effective horror, it's it's about whether you care about the people involved much more than what then happens to those mm-hmm. characters, yeah. um, because if if you're invested in in people, um, you know. Even if I was more invested in the women in the tank, right? Uh, you know, everything in that last third I think would have really landed better mm-hmm. um, but it just um, i don't know but you know yeah it's, I didn't, it's, yeah it was fine it's, it, it was fine it was fine that was yeah <laughs> every now and then i watch a movie where i'm like that's what clint feels when it's like yeah. it, was, it, was, it was it was fine yeah fine. Know. so yeah you got anything else i do um okay. well i i have two but one i'm gonna wait on I, okay. I saw killers of the flower moon did you ever go see it i did okay well let's we'll talk about it in full okay. maybe next episode we can actually have a killer episode with uh killers of the flower moon and uh, Fincher's Killer, which just popped up on Netflix. Oh, it just came out? Just came out on Netflix this weekend. And um, I don't know. We'll Killer find something else. Again. To get. Oh, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, but yeah, no, no we, could, we could just make it a killer episode. Sounds good. I like it. Um, so, yeah, I'll wait on that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. Okay. I have thoughts, too. Yeah, I have positive thoughts and a few eh, thoughts. But I think know. we're probably about the same okay. place on okay. it. Okay. Um, so I'll skip that, and I'm going to talk about a new series that just came onto HBO Max. Max, I can't ever, Max. I can't drop the HBO. I always feel like I'm talking about some neighbor. Like oh, I know, I was, I was watching, you know, movies with Max, and <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he's like a ten year old. Yeah, yeah, like shouldn't be hanging out. Yeah. Um, and this is Scavenger's Reign. And this is an animated series I recommended to you. Yes, you did. I I've been recommending it. to everyone. It looks incredible. This is one of my new favorite shows. It's a um, sci-fi series about a kind of, it's about this, I guess, like space version of like a freight freighter line, freight liner, like, you know, a giant ship that's transporting goods that goes off course and um, it, it they have to abandon their ship and they land on this uh, planet and like the the survivors and they it's just basically about them surviving on this like alien planet and um, it's very much in that style of the artists like Mobius mm-hmm. um, or there's elements of it that remind me of Miyazaki. Uh, just, yeah, to, just going from the trailer, it's like the Miyazaki version of Mobius art or there's there's another one who did uh, Sid. Mm. Uh, Sid Mears, maybe. Uh, yeah, he did the real technical drawings. Yeah, the real yeah. S- detailed sci-fi drawings. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's some like annihilation in there. Mm. Um, but 
man, this film, like this show, it's, uh, I think it's 12 parts. There's maybe another, they've been putting out three a, a week. And so there's another week that's coming out with the last mm-hmm. three. But man, this show is so good in that kind of environmental world building mm-hmm. where in like also through that, telling the story of these characters and how they react to the environment and they do a really good job of peppering in the backstory of like them on the ship um, in this very natural way. And it like ties into how they're operating on this planet and, and like how they relate to each other. Mm-hmm. But just the world building alone is so beautiful and interesting and such a different level of like sci-fi where like I feel like James Cameron tries to go for this, but mm-hmm. this does it so much more successfully um and interesting because it it's not force feeding it to you it's just like giving you little bits of it and that help you understand how this world operates and um how these characters relate to it It, it's so good and beautiful like it's i'd put it up there with like the miyazaki films um and uh just like in how yeah, Miyazaki does like just little character things that really paint them as real people. Yeah. This does that too. Um, cool. But I highly recommend it. I've been everybody that I would think would like it. I've been like, you gotta check out yeah. Scavengers Reign. Well, and that's just just watching uh, the two trailers for it. One, it's gorgeous, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 really got an otherworldly alien feel. Yeah. Which is what drives me nuts. And I'm sure we've mentioned that before. But that's what drives me nuts about something like Avatar. Yeah. It never. They're going for such an otherworldly feel, but it's sort of like your criticism of some of the the latest Star Wars things. Mm -hmm. It just has this feeling of like, no, this is that thing from Earth just turned blue. This is that thing with Earth just with six legs. This is that thing from Earth that, oh, it can just fly instead of swim. And it's, it's just that, like, no, give me something that really genuinely feels alien. Yeah if we're on this alien world, instead of just something that's a little taller and bluer than people. Exactly. Oh, like a cat faces. Oh, <laughs> so alien. Uh, they're wow. cat faced people with tails and they're tall. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And they but, can have sex with trees. Yeah. I don't know. No, this is great. real plot point, kids. It is. It's true. <laughs> true story. Uh, last thing I watched is this horror movie that popped up on Amazon. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, it's a horror comedy called Totally Killer. And have you happened to check this out? Mm-mm. I very hesitantly recommend it to you. All right. Because this is one of those movies, if you enjoy it in the first half hour, you're you're going to be in. Yeah. Uh, I had not watched a trailer or anything, so it actually took me, I think, longer than if I would have known going in what it actually was. Mm-hmm. It's about this girl whose mother, uh, her friends back in high school had been killed by this serial killer. But mm. then disappeared, a masked serial killer, very Halloween style. Yeah. And years later, her mother gets hunted down by and killed by uh, this same masked individual uh, and tries to kill the daughter. Uh, well, lo and behold, this is a time travel movie. And just <laughs> like a lot of the kind of 80s chintz yeah. movies, she just happens to have a friend at a science fair in high school uh-huh. who's on the verge of like really knocking, you know, time travel out of the park. Uh-huh. And she gets chased into this photo booth time machine. And uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, a stab from an errant knife just happens to be the thing that triggers <laughs> all of the weird science that needs to happen. Uh-huh. This draws heavily from that line of oh, like weird okay. science and uh, real geniuses and, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff in the 80s. And she goes back in time and she meets her her parents when they were teenagers and she meets her parents' awful friends. And her parents are, her mom especially, is just awful. 
even though she's just this sweetheart, you mm-hmm. know, in the future. Um, it, what it's really doing and why I love this movie, I don't know if the the actual horror part of it is really anything yeah. more than a time-traveling scream. Yeah. What I really loved about this movie was the constant compare and contrast of what life was like in the 80s and uh-huh. what life is like now. <laughs> she goes, uh, one perfect example, she goes to her mom's high school and she needs to check in as a student. And so she walks into the main office and she's got a whole story ready and she's mm-hmm. got all these details. And the woman's like, uh, yeah, here you go. And just hands her a class schedule. And she's like, don't don't you want to see my ID? And yeah. the woman's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Just go to class, girl. Go. <laughs> and it's just, it's stuff like that where nobody is worried about anything. Everything's just laissez-faire. And uh, there's just, there's a lot of good humor from it. Uh, you know, is it is it an incredible movie? It's not Tucker and Dale, but uh, I have <laughs> an incredible movie. Uh, Tucker and Dale? No, no, it's good. I thought you were about to fight me on Tucker and Dale. It's good. Tucker and Dale is incredible. I want to know if I would go incredible, but it's a good film. Tucker and Dale, I'll say it right now, <laughs> is short of Evil Dead 2. What? Short oh, man, of, I will come across. Short there. of Evil Dead 2. I'm saying it's below Evil Dead 2, right. but I'm saying but it even, is mm. the finest 21st century horror comedy, uh, I think, that exists. I, I genuinely believe that. You'd put it above like Shaun of the Dead. It's the third <laughs> best. <laughs> No. Uh, see, that's that's my problem. Once yeah. you start actually mentioning things, I'm like, oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead is probably better. Um, honestly, Cabin in the Woods is probably better. Um, that's what I'm saying. It's a good film. It's a very good film. Okay, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. I love it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, it so much. All right. Well, stop knocking it down. You know the the totem pole of horror comedies for me. Well, I'm not for you, but for me, I'm saying I it's it. it's good. Yeah. Well, many things for you are just as good. I'm sorry, it's no Loki. All right. I'm, well, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm sorry that or I'm very happy uh, that we what you watched because this 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 was a fun one. Now I have yeah. some things to go watch, so I'm happy. Well, yeah. you seem like you've already seen what I've recommended, except for Scavengers. I need to watch Scavengers. You'll I really thoroughly do. enjoy yeah. it. I believe. And honestly, you talking about Cure made me want to go and watch it oh, again. I'm going to watch it again. Uh, that's one I caught. Uh, I don't remember when I watched that. It's it was a bit ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check out honestly, totally killer again. Mm-hmm. If it's not doing it for you uh, after the first half hour, it's just abandon ship and. You know, whatever. I just enjoyed it. But where can I um, watch that one? That one's on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's one of their original. Oh, okay. Whatever's. Um, so today we are talking about two things. We're talking about Netflix's The Fall of the House of Usher from uh, one of our favorites, Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. This is part of his loosely connected uh, Flanaverse, I guess. <laughs> and uh, then uh, Loki season two just wrapped up, and I'm excited to talk about it. But it. It is an MCU production, mm-hmm. and so, God help me, for all I know, Clint hated it. But anyway, let's start with The Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, this is, I, I think, it's safe to say this is unlike anything else tonally that Mike Flanagan has done, and yet at the same time, it has a lot of the elements that make his series so uh, absorbing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is about, uh, one, it's based on essentially everything Ed, Edgar Allan Poe ever wrote. It's it's just a, a catch-all of anything Edgar Allan Poe. It's Which I want to him. talk to you about that okay. part of it. Okay. Uh, but it's siblings Roderick and Madeline Usher have built a pharmaceutical company into an empire of wealth, privilege, and power. However, secrets come to light when the heirs to the Usher dynasty, their children, start dying. Uh, 
Clint, what did you think of The Fall of the House of Usher? Just overall, let's start spoiler-free because right. both these series, we're going to have to really get into to the weeds yeah. spoiler-wise. So let's just start with general impressions. What what did you walk away or as you were watching, however you want to cover it, what did you think of this one? Um, well, I've, I've really been enjoying now that we're getting into this routine of almost every year now. Like yeah. For a while, we've been getting these Flanagan series yeah. coming out around Halloween, so it's yep. been something to look forward to. Um, and this generally, for me, did not disappoint. Yeah. I would put it up as one of my favorites of his. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, it's, I'm not sure where it ranks, like next to like Midnight Mass or something, but this is one of my favorites. I enjoyed um the humor that's throughout mm-hmm. it um it did really some of the best like horror like uh modern horror like moments and kills that i've seen in a little while and a lot of tension leading up to each kill oh yeah in that perfect like suspense of how he builds characters mm-hmm. just like really methodically and like gives everyone their time so when you get to a moment where the tensions is is at its highest and, you know, like they might be off, like you're really feeling stuff at that Mm -hmm. point. And um, depending on the character, it's either joy or like sorrow. And Mm -hmm. uh, man, he does such a good job at at character. Like that's my, I think his greatest strength. And like, I don't think I've seen anybody who gives that amount of attention to that element of it. Um, And this does that like, as well as any of his other series. Uh, I walked away by the end really enjoying this, and uh, I think it tied everything up really satisfactorily. I had a lot of satisfaction. satisfaction. Yeah, by the end. I really enjoyed it. What did you think? I I really enjoyed this one, and this one I was more aware, like acutely aware of structure than I was with his other things because he's really doing some interesting things with – uh, structure and this is this is paced like a really good novel. This yeah. is not a three yeah. act story stretched out over ten episodes or whatever. Yeah. In any way, this is this is something where each episode has its own kind of horrors and delights. Mm-hmm. And what I found most interesting about that is at the writing stage, at the planning stage, he had to lay out these adult children, which it tells you at the beginning they're dead. Right. And so you yeah. know you're watching a series where every one of these characters are going to die. Really the mystery is just why. You know, what is what is happening here and there's there's a very clear supernatural element yeah. character mm-hmm. that's sort of orchestrating all of this. Um and so so you kind of get an idea of what's going on, but the rest of the series is just piecing it together. But the adult children die from youngest to oldest. And the way that this was conceived and structured the characters each have just enough for you to really get on board with who they are, even if they're awful, and draw you into their story. And and so as you go through, the further along you go, like the last adult child to die has to have the most story and the most uh, things backing him because he's got to be around for six episodes. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, who the the younger son who dies in in episode 2. Well, uh not to throw a wrench in that a little no, bit, no, no, but okay. the granddaughter is the last. Well, yes, <laughs> true. Uh no, I just I meant of yeah, their of, of their the line. Right. Uh you know what I mean? And it just I I found that so interesting because that required had to require so much just really technical prowess 
to arrange all these things while bringing in so many different elements of, of Edgar Allan Poe's stories and poems. And each episode is kind of at a macro level dedicated to one story, but still at a micro level bringing in other things. And it was just, I, I could not get over the structure of this. Yeah. Uh, it was just so well conceived and done. Uh, and and I, I quickly would just either forget about that or think about it after an episode in reflection because this is such a compelling group of characters, which considering it's, it's secession level characters, you should not enjoy spending the amount of time with the series that you do. These are yeah. not, there is, there's literally one, possibly two characters uh, that, you know, are people that you would want to know in real life. Yeah. Everyone else, uh, just, just awful, awful people. Um, but if succession had this element to oh, it, 100%. I would have enjoyed that. Probably this, this is succession yeah. supernatural. This is succession with, for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I just, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm actually excited to get into some, you know, just throw away and, and go to spoilers. So let's do that now. Let's can move I, into where we can okay, talk about stuff. Um, can I ask you about that element sure. of, the Edgar Allan Poe's mm -hmm. stories, because I'm not a, I, I'm familiar with some Edgar Allan Poe, mm -hmm. like where I had, that I had to read in school and stuff, but the whole full arcing of his, like uh, his stories mm -hmm. and everything I'm not familiar with. So like, is the, the house of, the house of Usher is a story yes. of his, are these, because each episode is based on a separate one of his um, pieces do they all fall under the House of Usher? No. Okay. The, the fall of the House of Usher is essentially uh, the pieces where uh, Roderick is in the mansion yeah. talking to the reporter. Okay. Uh, or not reporter. Uh, the investigator. The investigator. Yeah. That's your fall of the House of Usher. Him and the sister. Yeah. And this house and this story and him retelling the story. And, uh, you know, again, spoilers, the collapse of the house and all of that. Uh, Poe's works whether long or, or most of them are short stories, but they're all yeah. about inevitability. Mm -hmm. Every one of them, it seems, and I, I could be wrong on saying every, but it seems like every one of them starts with this idea that there is something lurking that is going to uh, bring comeuppance <clears throat> on somebody who has done yeah. wrong. And, and that pervaded through all of this. And, and um, like, there was no element of it that I was like, I somehow just through culture, I knew all the elements. Yeah. I knew like every single episode, yeah. what this story was playing with. Yeah. And so I never felt lost by that, but it was just like, and then I was just quest trying to figure out what did this, like was the fall of uh, the house of Usher, like a book that like all of these stories were combined into that. No. But that's because I thought that was such a great way to, you know, go through all of Poe's work, yeah. and but also having the connecting tissue of um, the Usher story, yeah. tying it all together. It was such a great, um, you know, construction of yeah. with, by using all that. No, this if if I had to take one story that seems to be the guiding principle in this one, it was much more uh, the uh, Mask of the Red Death, mm, which okay. they very directly. Uh, mm -hmm. adapt in episode two. Yeah. It's just that idea of death coming to this party mm -hmm. where everybody's gathered and they feel so safe. And in the original story, it's, oh, there's this plague out there killing all the poor people. We're going to have this rich, fancy party. Yeah. Like, you dummies. That's the perfect way to get the plague and die. Right. And, you know, this figure visits this party and walks through and mm -hmm. it just gets 
really bad really fast. Uh, this was a way more <laughs> dramatic and uh, visually uh, pleasing. <laughs> oh man, I knew something was coming, but I had no idea. My eyes, I didn't. I were knew going to watch what what I watched. Yeah, I knew like something bad's going to happen, but I that wasn't what was the like the forefront of my mind that what happens happens, and I was so pleased yeah. and. That that's one of the moments where I'm yeah. like, this is a great horror moment. I really thought it was just going to be, you know, oh, this stupid kid, water and electricity. Yeah. And yeah. all these people are going to get electrocuted. I was not prepared for the visual of these people just melting together <laughs> in this sea oh, of man. human flesh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, it this this series is bold. It really. Oh, yeah. It it does not hold back. And at the same time, there's this there's this like you said, you know, that the humor, but the humor has this delirium to it. Mm -hmm. And you can you can start to get a sense of like early on. I'm like, why is this father not more upset that these kids are dying? Mm -hmm. And, you know, as things are revealed, you're just like, oh, this this makes total sense. Right. Uh, and so even things that seem like a shortcoming at first, you know. God bless Mike Flanagan. Flanagan, he just uh, he patches it right together, and you're like, "Oh, you, you clever boy, you knew all along." And and I love being taken on that trip where you can just trust the the showrunner, the author, the writer to get you somewhere that when you look back, everything kind of falls in place. Yeah. Um, well, also the the what I'm saying by humor isn't really overtly broadcast either. It's mm -hmm. just like. Um, things in the moment kind of get to a ridiculous place yeah. and it kind of it just is funny yeah. and also just there's like the characters aren't overtly funny either there's you can recognize things in certain ones um is just heightened and ridiculous yeah. but not to a um laugh out loud ridiculous yeah. like degree um it felt natural to the story and not out of character from other things he's done yeah. to, to me um it's because like all of his other series kind of have their own traits that are unique to themselves um that it, for this one this just felt uh fitting to what was happening and this this is the kind of i, I would never in a million years call the series campy but this is the level of camp I enjoy yeah. where where something is patently silly, but it's executed so well. And you're left with such a deep feeling of disgust or horror that that it's it's just bringing just just a hint of levity and fun to something that you could really push and just make so off putting that it it doesn't want to keep pulling somebody through the story. It, it, this, What's a moment like that in this? That so for me, uh, the daughter who is the PR agent, uh -huh. uh, you know, she's she's a good example because she's she's so over the top of right. what you know a power player, uh, a PR power player would be when she's got her two assistants, and it's it's just it's funny, yeah, uh, and. That's why camp's the wrong word, but that's... in the world of this family, though, that made sense oh, because 100%. she's just so entitled yeah, yeah. that, like, and she's the PR person for yeah. this family, like, she just feels untouchable. Yeah. Well, and at it's, one point, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing out loud and I'm like, you know, what the heck does that mean? I need to go Google what a starfish is. And I was like, never mind. No, I do not. 
Uh, it was just like, I was laughing so hard. And especially when the two assistants fall in love. And I just, I love that episode. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was probably my, my favorite of the, the funny and the humor oh, okay. was that episode. It's not my favorite episode, but mm-hmm. I really love the humor of that episode. Um, but it, it just, I, I also felt like each episode, it was cohesive. It worked with each other, but I felt like each episode had something new to offer. Yeah. Uh, an, a new tone, even though it was still tonally cohesive, uh, a new a new direction, new characterization. You know, by the time you get to um, the, the oldest son, uh, that's just straight horrific. Everything he's turned into and he's done, and there's no humor in that one. Yeah. That one's just a man who has lost his mind and out of jealousy is torturing this this poor woman. And, um, you know, that one was just so nasty he compared did, to, you know, like, right. like some of the other kids. Like what you were saying about, like, you know, from the youngest to the oldest. And mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like he did a really good job of not just like having to give them enough story to get them that to, to that point and like to, you know, sustain that character. Like a character like that, he did a really good job of just like pacing when he would drop them into the story so that like you're not getting the full thing and like too much of that character. So when you get to their standalone episode, you're um, you're getting most of it Um, like like that character, the, the older son, like. He pops up here and there, but he's always kind of just like in and out and you get a sense of like how he relates to his father and stuff. But then like that episode, you get the full scope of like how much of a monster he's become and like and um, and then like through seeing the other characters stories, you you understand how he got to that point, not necessarily by just having showing it through him, but through everyone else. Um, did you want to go episode episode by episode or uh, no? I mean, yeah. we can talk about some favorites. Uh, the thing I want to talk about, I think this is a good place to transition to it, is this character of Verna. That yeah. was the thing that that was my hook. The, not that everything else wasn't good, but I was fascinated by this supernatural entity. I was trying to understand what are the rules of the game? What are the rules of this? Like it was yeah. very clear that there was structure to it. And at first I thought, because she offers uh, almost every character. Uh, a chance to be kind. And mm-hmm. at first I thought, oh, she's giving them a chance to escape fate and survive. No, But yeah. then it's like, well, that's not it. No, so no. So what was she doing there? And then by the time you get to the granddaughter at the end, you realize, oh, like she was offering them mercy. She was offering them a, a, a final kind mo- A final death. moment yes. to be like, redeem yourself a yes. little bit. And, yeah. and to go out with ease instead of horribly. Yeah. Um, and, and that was just such a better, um, angle than, oh, she's giving them a chance to be good people and survive. Right. Uh, it was so much more interesting because the deal was struck. Yeah. Um, now my question is, did you give any thought, maybe I was just nerding out. Did you give any thought to what in the world is this creature? What is this entity? Because sometimes she seems, uh, you know, good. Sometimes she seems evil. Sometimes she's, she's all over the map. And by the end, I, I got a good sense of what this thing is and everything, uh, you know, not exactly, but just, I understood how she was working. Yeah. What, what was your take on, on that whole character? I felt like she was kind of, I don't know, is that the right word? Benign. And like, mm-hmm. she was just like down the center, yeah. like you, she sets the deal and this is, up to you. You it's kind of playing with just humanity and seeing yeah. 
how far they're willing to go to get the what they're after. Yeah. And then just it's up to them. And like that's her thing of just like letting it play out. Yeah. And then she's just responsible for following through with the deal. Yeah. And that's how, like, I mean, it took me up to the end yeah. where you finally re- are realizing what the scope of what she's actually doing yeah. is. Um, but I love the element of mystery around her too. Like, yeah. um, especially you kind of would get a little bit more each time she would come, in, uh, come a calling for, yeah. <laughs> for each character. But like, Man, I felt like by the end they still really held that close to their chest, mm-hmm. and um, the reveal of it was really good. Mm-hmm. I think another character that also um, was really fascinating, and you only get little bits as it's going on, is uh, Augusta or Dupin, uh, the, the, the investigator. Because I loved his tie that he wasn't just somebody who came in at the end of the life to try to take down this corrupt family. Like, he had a full story with them. And they keep, uh, for for decades, have just been slipping through his fingers. Yeah. He can never, he wants to be this agent of justice. He wants justice in the world. But it's, for whatever reason, he can just never nail it down. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or really catch any of these people in the act. Yeah. And I think he's a good character yeah, in this. Yeah, like him yeah. and the granddaughter yeah. are good characters. Yeah. And I, I love that also just revealing their relationship as it was going on. It made it yeah. more complex and how they have history um, so early on in the family's career, like coming up um, and how it really paints a picture of how um, just from the beginning, there was this turn in decision into this way of like operating yeah. and um, and operating the family. Um, yeah. It made it so much more interesting than just this investigator trying to take down this corporation that's corrupt. Yeah, yeah he's at the end of his ability to take them down. He's lost. Yeah. And so it's really just him wanting to understand and right. wanting to uh, – but, but he doesn't have – you know, yes, Verna makes the deal, but then I love that you use the word benign because she's she's this, it's not chaos at all. It's just this neutral justice. Yeah. It is this idea of you've made your bed, you have to lie in it. Mm-hmm. And and it's almost like this entity is is exacting justice, but by giving uh characters exactly what they want. Right. And then showing them, or just in a universal sense, showing that. That is not, you know, your wealth and your power and all these things that people so eagerly work their lives to gain mm-hmm. are are not the answer to anything. Right. Uh, whereas you've got, you know, uh, Augustus or uh, August. Uh, I always forget it. It has a different ending to it. But um, it has an E at the end. Augusti. August. August. Augusti. Augusti. I don't know. I can't remember how they said it. I know. But but he's one where. You know, and he even says it at the end. I love when it gets to maybe it was all in the last episode or the last two, but you have these two characters. You have Mark Hamill's fixer, who is fantastic. That character, it's so great, incredible, and it's so great seeing him out like just in a new original role where he's not, you know, doing the Joker or something in the Star Wars Wars universe. It's just like. He's being an actor, and, yeah. and you forget how good he is. He's so good, and I this character was so intriguing, and I love you know he was such a background character, and he's he's kind of on the the outskirts yeah. of all the things that are happening. But then he gets an offer, 
and uh, you know Augusta gets an offer, and it's it's this idea of how these two very different people that are so deeply entrenched in uh, in and around this family yeah. react to that offer. I loved all of that. I loved uh, the stuff with and and the granddaughter. These these characters who are just on the periphery, yeah, and then they have these these really amazing moments uh in the in the last two episodes where it's just like oh no i i did not forget these characters these characters are not actually minor right you know it's just there's only so much you can do in an episode and that goes back to structure yeah it felt like this was so perfectly paced and just the right amount of tension was given at just the right time to each character yeah while the characters that needed to be there uh, the whole time there was enough to sustain um how how did you respond to kind of the the overarching mystery of what is this deal and what's buried behind that wall and did that uh, land as well as as it was intended? I think so. The deal I I really responded to. I think the one thing that almost lost me for a second was the wall thing, yeah. but then tying it back to Poe. Yeah. It made perfect sense and yeah. didn't bother me at all. But it was just like, it was almost that thing we're talking about where it heightened too much um, that they did this thing. But it's also like, but it made sense within the world of this story yeah. um, when you're tying it back to Poe, like yeah. I'm saying. And and also it's just like another element showing that the corruption and like links this family is willing to go to. Yeah. And um, you've... I'm th- that is that oh that's before they make this deal. Yeah. So it makes the the deal make more sense mm-hmm. too because they've already done this like horrible act. Yeah. Um that they kind of need something as a safeguard that will get them through the finish line that yep. they'll they won't be caught for that. Well, and that's that's what I think really appeals about the deal. It's yeah. not the life of riches although that sounds great. It's the you'll get away with this. Right. No one will ever know. Yeah. yeah. I, and that was their immediate fear and need. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that, like, what do I care about non-existent kids that I might have one day if what's right in front of me yep. is is what I need to I, survive? I think it was that when they make the deal and you're finally realizing what the deal fully is, yeah. that I felt okay with it afterwards. Yeah. But it was like in the moment, it's like, but I'm recognizing, oh, this is you know the the was the wrapping on the, mm-hmm. the that that story of Poe and um so yeah I really liked it I I wanted to ask you about and this might tie back to another Poe story or something but the first episode and the whole storyline with their mother mm-hmm. and like her coming back from the dead basically is is that a Poe element it may be a specific story but it it is that element yeah. of Poe is basically Lovecraft but with right. ghosts instead yeah. of um, uh, you know, dark entities right. or or faceless entities. It's it's things Otherworldly. where worldly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's where people have died. This <clears throat> is spirits and this is ghosts. And every now and then, like Mask of the Red Death, you get the sense that this is the supernatural embodiment of a bigger force. But yeah. usually, it's much more uh, kind of you know, at eye level. Yeah, because it was you know, it's an element of kind of supernatural element. That comes on before she, mm-hmm. the our you know the the um, kind of figure of death mm-hmm. appears who made the deal. Um, so I was trying to just you know kind of as wa- I was watching, seeing how that tied into the larger picture, mm-hmm. and it, it maybe doesn't that like, but it, I mean it kind of 
with those the the siblings, they've already faced this supernatural element in their life that when they're faced with it again, um, they're not turned away by it because they're a little bit more familiar. So yeah. that that works for me. Um, I was thinking about like every episode, you know, is based around a central mm-hmm. character of this family and like the second one is the, the raining of acid. And I feel like every single one, they did a really good job of, you know, giving the moments to the characters to give character development and seeing how they got from one point to another mm-hmm. to um, then have these very striking, strong moments of like horror. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought within the, you know, the Poe universe and they're building off of the like elements from his work, like modernizing it in a really interesting way every single time that, um, you know, that we're familiar with it, but it's also tying into that. I, that, that was such a cool, like, um, use of that, that I feel like some other people have tried to try to do with other works that like, it feels too modern, but this, it worked just right for me. It, It had a sense of timelessness to it. Yeah. Uh, where, like other than a little bit of technology here, a little bit of technology there, you yeah. can't nail down what decade this is really taking place in. And it you can, but it, it doesn't feel like it cares. Right. This is something that he could have made, I mean, to the plot point in, you know, 1975. Uh, and it would be just as effective as it is now because the story and the characters are what really resonate rather than what time period it's set in. Well, I um, watched after this, there's a musician that I really like. His name's Heinbach, and he does YouTube videos. He's a German fellow. Mm-hmm. And he um, he does did a video about the tape recorder because he's like a ambient, like mm-hmm. uses abnormal things. He uses a lot of tape recorders and stuff. So he was doing a whole little video series on the tape recorder that August... Um, has because it's in the story of the time period of this, which is more modern, it's kind of out of time. And he's tying it to, he was talking about how within the world of that character who's grown up in a another um, generation, mm-hmm. that that's the device he's familiar with. Yeah. And then you have the younger characters who are, you know, using cell phones. And then you have like the father who is using a cell phone, but also, but also like not super familiar with it. And he's being reached out to by his, his granddaughter through it. And he's, um, it was a really interesting dissection of like prop usage and how it plays and ties to character development. Um, and he, like the, just the use of this tape recorder as almost a character trait as like, he's after the truth and it comes in that, that tape recorder, represents truth and it starts with that as the the whole series does where he's recording him and ends with it by him placing it on the grave and it was just a really interesting just little like it was a short film but like short little uh video on that but i was like that's Hmm. an interesting dissection of just character through technology and props and stuff well and that's why i love the the angle of and i couldn't figure out why it was such a a repeating theme but egyptology and and egyptian mysticism and Uh and and once the reveal of where he's getting the calls and stuff it's this idea of immortality it's the idea of you know there being whether it's magic or science or technology (laughs) this way for somebody to extend life and this ties into the the sister yes because that's how she's going about it exactly yeah and and i just i 
I, I could not get over, especially when it was all done and thinking back through it, just how much is packed in this series. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this is, and I, and I think I say this almost every time I watch something of his, it should not work. Mm. It, it He takes so many different elements and he's just this master juggler that is capable of putting them together in ways that are both cohesive and interesting at the same time. This thing made me, I was already excited about him getting the Dark Tower. Oh, yeah. yeah. This makes me over the moon about him having the Dark Tower because that's the challenge of the Dark Tower is it's just this hodgepodge of fantasy and sci-fi mm-hmm. and, and weird horror elements. And characters. And demonology and all this. Yeah, and, and characters that yeah. you've got to actually care about. Yeah. And you you need to not get annoyed with, oh, this guy is from the 80s and he was right. a cokehead and he's got 80s slang and this woman is from uh you know the the civil rights era right. and she's a split personality nut who <laughs> is in a wheelchair because oh yeah by the way she has no legs and mm-hmm. then a little kid and some talking raccoon you know it's like all these different <laughs> things forever I've just been like oh this is there's just no way to do this soon as Mike Flanagan's name was attached to it and especially now having watched the house or the fall of the house of Usher I'm like oh this is we're in for it. It's it's genuinely. I can't imagine uh, him being able to do this with Poe, not being able to do the same thing with Stephen King, who has already tied all of his stuff together. Well, and I mean, not. as whatever you feel about the Doctor Sleep film, mm-hmm. for me it worked so well, and I was yeah. so anti that that because of the Shining. I love the Shining, um, and. He, I think he did it as well as anybody yep. could possibly yeah. do it yeah. and make it its own thing, but also tie in enough of the original story to make it connected. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that made me really excited for, um, you know, the Dark Tower. And I, I have I've loved all his series, like yeah. um, some to more degrees, but like I never walk away like disappointed yeah. and like feeling like I wasted whatever eight hours of the time in the series well and before this the fall of the house of usher i i I was very much beating the drum of the dark tower is relatively easy just take the books yeah turn them into a plot point character point to plot point and character point adaptation it's right there on the page right after watching the fall of the house of usher i think flanagan's the guy that can just get in there and mess with stuff and change it for the better. Right. And really just mix some elements and drop some elements mm-hmm. and and heighten some elements and, and do some things that still will feel 100% faithful to the source, even if he's right. flying off the beaten path. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love that idea. Um, you know, central to all of it is like there's other worlds than these. And so, yeah, give me – I don't need what I read. Uh, just put into images. Give me something that really captures my imagination again, right. and and takes these characters and and this story that I love and and surprises me all over again. Um, I just I I think he's a master craftsman. I I think he is far more than just a good director. Uh, oh, yeah, and a good writer. He is operating at another level, especially like you said with character. Mm-hmm. Character is so paramount to all of this. Um, what were what were your your favorite episodes? What really kind of stand out when you look back? Um, the second one for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, the acid bath. <laughs> the acid bath. I liked the um, oh uh, the son who has the problem with the cat. Oh. The rats in the wall. Can I just say? And and yes, I'm an MCU geek, but 
the fact that he just has this Thor hammer that Hemsworth <laughs> gave him, that's what he says. He's like, oh, Hemsworth gave it to me. That he just tears apart his apartment with was so funny to me. It was really funny. Yeah. I, I, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I really enjoyed the Older Sons episode. Yeah. Um, just the, for that, like, just the turn of that character is so interesting mm-hmm. and scary. And I love the uh, the pendulum oh. that uh, like just because I didn't see it coming yeah. and knew it was going to tie into Poe in some way, mm-hmm. and then just that, and I loved the the slow man how it slowly inched and they didn't and sh- that sound and they didn't shy away from showing it. Yeah, yeah, and um, I I'm trying to think. I I like the. Uh, the telltale heart is that the right mm-hmm. one? Yeah, with um, the doctor. With the doctor, just because I wasn't, I knew I was expecting that one to come. Like I knew that's how it was going to tie yeah. into that one, and it went weirder than I was expecting mm-hmm. to. Um, honestly, there wasn't an episode I disliked. Yeah. There were moments yeah. that like stood out to me, like the acid bath and stuff. Um, but even just how awful these characters were, I was never like turned away or turned off by them it was just i I somehow was invested with every single one yeah i think and 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 no way did i not like it i think the the thing i would put probably at the the very bottom of my list of ranking the episodes just the first episode it did its job i was pulled in but I, i like i was in based on that first episode but that second episode is the actual first episode right that sets what this show is going to be and that second episode blew me away and it just, oh, this is what they're doing. Right. Um, and, you know, from there on, I was catapulting from episode to episode. And again, the first episode's great. Like, yeah, it's great. Even if they had stayed yeah. in that mode, it probably still would have been a very good show. Yeah. Um, but they just, man, he he ratches it up a notch. It needed that. that introduction episode yeah. to yeah. just the the world and the characters and lay how they the land. The lay of the land. And um I, I don't know how he would have – it would have been maybe an overstuffed episode mm-hmm. if he tried to give you what it was fully going to be. Yep. Um, so I appreciated it was this little tag at the beginning of here are our characters, here's what they've yep. gone through so far, and um, some of them are dead. Yeah. <laughs> and that's still one of the upsides to the binge model where all the episodes are available at once. Because I think a first episode like that, if you were watching it week to week, could lose people. Yeah. Um, again, it was really good. So I'm, I'm not thinking it would lose a bunch of people, especially people who knew what he's capable of. Yeah. But it it just didn't have that hook uh, that, that the second episode did. I do like the model that recently I've just like, here's two or three yep. and then one we- a, week yeah. a week. Yeah, that's because, my ideal. Yeah, because it gives you, you know, a taste of, oh, I, I kind of fully grasp with this and I can either be looking forward to it or not. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but yeah. The, the bench work for, let me ask you about this with the Flanagan taking on um, the Dark Tower. Are you more hopeful or less hopeful that it's in Amazon? Thing? I suspect that he would not go from Netflix to Amazon yeah. if he did not have a similar creative freedom. Yeah. I can't imagine him taking on more burden or limitations, yeah. especially if his first project is going to be something like The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. I I think 
Amazon is just going to afford him a higher budget. I'm hoping like the Lord of the Rings series, yep. they give him that kind of. Yeah, um, I, I think it gives him because Dark Tower, I mean, you could do it in the way he's done House of Usher. Yeah. But I, I think it requires it's going to require more visual yeah. effects uh, at a at a, maybe not at a billion dollar Lord of the Rings level. I don't think they need to go that crazy, but it it is going to be expensive yeah. if if you want to really make that world and worlds feel as alien mm-hmm. as they are. Yeah. Um, and that excites me too. Just from his, you don't get a lot of creature design. There's there's ghosts, uh, you know, the the bent neck woman, or I forget what they call her. I watched that. Oh, right. Uh, you know, the vampires. Yeah. Um, he, I'm, I'm really excited because he has this really interesting, um, just, just kind of, uh, it, it's very Stephen King. It's it's the idea of there is something. This is a true horror, right? And it is still twisted. It is based in something real and familiar, but it's just he does a really else. good job of holding out on showing too much yeah. too. Like he he really picks his moments really carefully, yeah. and it always has a punch to yeah. it. Well, in the Dark Tower series, builds. I mean, yeah. at first. At most, you've got like the slow muties yeah. and the underground caves. But by book six, you've got to have like believably a room full of three different kinds of vampires mm-hmm. that an old man with a glowing turtle shell and a little boy <laughs> wander into and start shooting. Yeah. That, you know, you've you've really got to build suspension of disbelief and you've got to layer a lot of things to get to the place. Right. Uh, that, that you can do that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so. a crazy train yeah yeah sequence and all that yeah and and he he definitely has a knack for understanding what makes a character the character that they are one of the things i hated about the dark tower movie that was released is jake is just this brooding little kid jake's a kid right jake's a kid that loves this little animal that he adopts Mm -hmm. and and that sort of chirps his name and things like that and that could be awful it could just be awful and i'm so glad really thinking about it that they didn't go in that direction with the movie because they would have made it horrible um but i i really feel like mike flanagan take this wild cast of characters and and build something with it and there's there's plenty of ways if they only wanted to give him three seasons like okay there's there's plenty of ways i think he could trim a lot of that story out and still do the exact same right uh kind of path and feel and really um just kind of push some stuff together and adapt in a way that just like he did with with uh, the House of Usher, where you know, yeah, there's one kind of <clears throat> larger adaptation he's doing in an episode, but he's got all of these other elements surrounding it. Oh yeah, that are from other pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just picture him, you know, with just at first laying out all these elements on <laughs> like literal post-it notes, and then just kind of bringing it all together and figuring out how to even begin to weave this into a tapestry that taps yeah, into yeah, all these yeah. things. Um, so I just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited. And, uh, honestly, even if he didn't have the dark tower, I'd be saying the same thing about whatever he has next. I'm oh, for just, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in it for whatever, whatever has his name attached to it. Yeah. I'm good to go. Me too. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this one? No, I really liked it. Awesome. Um, I highly recommend it. At some it. point I needed, I want to go through all of his series again because that's, I've watched them all once. Yeah. And especially, um, like Hill House and stuff, which was like his first one. It's been so long. I I think I would enjoy it more. No, because that was it felt to me at the time very slow. Mm-hmm. 
I think now with the pacing, like being very familiar with the pacing of all his other work and how he builds character, I think I would thoroughly enjoy it now. Um, So yeah, it's great. Well, let's, let's move to Loki season two. I don't think we need to take quite as much time uh, with that one. Uh, Loki season two picks up right where the first season left off. This of course stars Tom Hiddleston as Loki, uh, Sophia DeMartino, um, Jonathan Majors, Owen Wilson, uh, Kei Hui Kwan from mm-hmm. uh, Everything Everywhere, um, Gugu Mabatha-Ra, Tara Strong, and on and on and on. Uh, the second series basically tells a much more, um, I don't know how you could get much more, but somehow they find uh, way more to play with, with uh, time and time travel and time alteration, um, leading to uh, what I just watched. It's crazy finale. Um I, I think we just go spoilers right from the beginning. All right. Clint, what was your reaction to Loki season two? I'm genuinely with well, bated breath. You know how I've felt recently yeah. about most of the MCU yeah. stuff. Once yeah. in a while, something pops out and I'm like, I mean, I like the new Guardians. Yeah. Um, I really, the first season of Loki was one of my, is probably one of my favorite MCU things. Mm-hmm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. This one, I, um, I, I totally kind of forgot that there was another season coming until mm-hmm. like, uh, it, you know, popped up and I, I was like, oh yeah, there was another season <laughs> of that coming out. I don't know because it's been a while yeah. now. Yeah. It's two or three years, two years. Sure, I don't two, know. One and a half. I don't know. Um, yeah, probably one and a half. Too many weeks for me to keep track. It's been a week. We need to put a calendar on the wall of just between Loki seasons so we can keep track. Um, I was excited for this, even though I was behind on when it was coming out (laughs) um, because of my love for the first season. Mm -hmm. That did the things I wish that um, a more of the MCU did where Mm -hmm. it was just like kind of weird sci-fi. It was like a perfect amount of like campy Doctor Who-ness and really great character development. Especially, with, I, I totally forgot that it was only six episodes. Yeah. And the amount that they do within six episodes is mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Like, the, I totally, because like this one, I was expect like, I I didn't know that this was the final finale until you told me. Because yeah. I was expecting another four episodes or something. But um, I'm delaying. Okay. I thought this season was okay. Oh. I, um, what you're saying about time travel, I feel like the elements that they were playing with in this were things that have been played with so many times and so many other really? things that it felt too familiar. I mm-hmm. felt like in the first season, like the um, time divergent characters mm-hmm. was an element that I hadn't seen played with mm-hmm. as much and it felt new and fresh. And I loved, it was just kind of this multiverse of Loki's and other characters that are, you know, clashing with it, with each other. This just like the element of just time, kind of just straightforward time travel almost just felt too familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I was, enjo- I enjoyed it. I, but I was never in love with it. And I, I think the other element that it was missing for me with the first season, there's a lot of mystery surrounding what the uh, TVA is Mm -hmm. and how, why they're after Loki and what they want him to do and who are all these heads of the TVA and how, and how on that unfolds is so interesting. And um, 
layered. In this one, I feel like you have, there's no mystery to it anymore. Hmm. You have, you know what it is, you know what it wasn't. And now it's, I was, the whole premise of this season around the like time loom thing felt like a B plot to me. Mm. Like, and I kept waiting for it to get to the next element mm -hmm. and it never did. I was like, oh, gotcha. it took me a while to realize like, oh, this is what this whole season's about. And it's just them trying to rein this thing back in. And um, and so I was a little let down by that, okay. that that was just the whole element of the season. I really love like the new, uh, some of the new characters. Mm -hmm. Um, like uh, Ki Kwan. Mm, OB. Yeah, uh, yeah he's, he's great. Um, I think the Jonathan Majors character was distracting. Not so, not just in that it's him with all the what we know about yeah. what he's been involved with, but also just his characterization of that character the was stutter and the eccentricities. It was so and, over the top and yeah. it was annoying to me. Yeah. I, so, so my experience with the show is I absolutely love the first episode. Yeah. Uh, the first episode was just this wild, very Doctor Who yeah. kind of romp. And by the time, you know, Mobius is getting in the giant spacesuit with the duct tape across the windshield. I was on board with, I was totally That was so much fun. Yeah. I got worried in the second and third episode. Yeah. When we get to Victor Timely. And I, I felt like it slowed down. I appreciated what they were trying to do with the <clears throat> the full episode. I think it was episode three. Mm -hmm. The full episode being this very old timey uh, kind of throwback to vaudeville comedy and stuff. But that, that. I felt like was a really weak episode. Me too. Um, yeah. It, it just didn't quite, it it had a sluggishness to it yeah. that wasn't crisp. Yeah. And that's when I was worried. That's when I thought, I don't know that they know what to do with this show yeah. anymore. Yeah. But then I felt like four and five started to climb out of it. By the time they got to five, I was really surprised because it was such a quiet character introspection kind of episode it almost felt anticlimactic but i appreciated the the kind of pathos and the 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 sadness and i really started to find myself uh rooting for loki at a different level uh, much more about his his full character arc of his entire appearances where it's just like here is this spoiled kid who was always third yeah. best and he's never known what he is and so by the time that finale hit yeah I the finale I loved as much, if not more than the first episode. So it's it's this I came out of it really enjoying season two. But what I really loved was the first and sixth episode. I I really liked the sixth episode, yeah. too. I, I like the end of it, even though it is the the where it ends up is what I loved about it. Yeah. Yeah. Where how it got to it. I was not so enthusiastic about like it was just. Like, I'm so tired of the Groundhog Day element. Uh, yeah. And it, because there's been so many things yeah. that have done that now that, yeah, it's it it's making sense with, it's never not making sense. Yeah. It's just like, how many times, how many different ways can you show a scene where they're trying to get something to happen and it's not happening, so they just got to keep redoing yeah. it. It just, it gets boring to me. For me, it was very much a one of the things that have always bothered me uh, about the Thor end, even with Ragnarok, just just the yeah. Thor end of the Marvel Universe is the idea of the fact that they're gods or called gods yeah. is just sort of a joke. Right? They're really just 
advanced beings, science. Advanced science. Yeah. They've got a longer lifespan and they're tougher. Right. That's really all it is. And, you know, easy to break little humans. Just think of them as gods. Yeah. This actually, and, and that's what I liked so much about the sixth episode, it actually felt like this is how... Uh, you know, a being like that becomes a God-level being right? Uh, through their own will. Yeah. And, it, and it requires this repetition of time, and it requires this repetition of experience, moving to the place that, you know, by the time the end hits, and I love the visuals of him just gathering <laughs> these time strings and these, these yeah. time streams and stuff, and he's dragging them behind him almost like a regal cape. Mm-hmm. And it just... Uh, does it make sense? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. not. But yeah. it just the the visuals and the idea of it. Uh, and there's a there's a Marvel Comics story where uh, you know it's it's this idea of the god of stories. Okay. And this was the adaptation of that. I realized where it's like the god of mischief becoming this god of stories mm. and and truly setting aside self to preserve what's actually important. Yeah. Um, and not even, he's not even in control of the time streams. He's literally just kind of holding them, s- just holding them, them together, and giving to them keep, life. Yeah. Keeping them alive. Uh, which is, which is such a sacrifice because for a character who wants to be on the stage, this is the most behind the scenes role <laughs> yeah. you could possibly shove him into. And so I just, I really felt something. Uh, I did with too. The Loki I, character. I, well, just that the whole ending of it, and I, and if the whole season had, like you're saying, been the first and second, something in the middle was a little bit more yeah. Yeah. impactful. Like those two, I would have been saying, I really like this, yeah. but the first, the I mean, the middle chunk of this just left me so kind of bored. Yeah. I wish there would have been more of the end of this. Like, I left yeah. emotionally impacted by the end of it. Like, I felt sad yeah. for him. Like, even though he is kind of got what he wanted, but also, but he's left alone yeah. because... And these characters genuinely miss him. And yeah, that's a and very he, new element for him. That uh, And that's an element I did like... Um, that he is trying to, um, he's not doing all this in this season for himself. He's doing it because he wants to be with his friends yeah. and the people he loves. And I, I like that element, even though when you think back about where Loki came from, it almost feels a little cheesy. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but at but, the same time, I like even in the early films, he's only friends with Thor's friends. They're Thor's yeah, friends. Yeah. He's just... The little brother. You never really along. even think of him. You have of having friends, yeah, yeah, really. Exactly. Um, but it's just funny thinking back where he's come from, where he came from, and now he has people he cares about. Yeah. And that that element of this season I did like in yeah. that. In but the sadness of it comes from he's he's doing this thing for the people he loves, but he cannot be with them by yeah. doing this. Um, and like that made me sad, and in like uh, uh, Owen Wilson's character of him leaving, yeah. and like I wouldn't. I'm I'm curious if they're going to do another season or if it's just I am left. Too. If they do, this is kind of the Empire Strikes Back, uh, you know, to be chinchy, but uh, this is this is kind of that darker ending and that darker people are separated and what does this mean? Yeah. and I I don't know what follows this. I know because um, this almost felt like they were pulling a little bit too yeah. hard to get it to work. Yeah, and that's that's the because because I think we're closer together in opinion than than maybe you expected based on my text. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's something where the first and sixth episode were so strong that it helped me just to ignore 
the lesser. Right. I really wish there was a tightening, especially in that episode three and four. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish that was locked down better. I wish it was crisper. I really don't like, I love Jonathan Major's uh, take on the final He Who Remains, that quirkiness. I love that character. But if these are supposed to be, which is what's implied, that it's possibly the same character, I would have liked to see that performance in the Victor Timely. The Victor Timely was just too... And it was so on the nose constantly. Uh, Until you get to that last episode when he's just being hurried along. I I was okay with him then. Oh, yeah. He didn't irritate me at all. He didn't have a chance to do any of those mannerisms. I liked him better as the he who remains in this than the first season. Yeah. The first season, I felt like that was too big. Gotcha. And I had a hard time grasping what he was going for. In this, it was downplayed a bit more. And it worked a lot better this for me. This almost retconned it where it's like what he was in the first season was just a performance for them. Yeah. This yeah. feels like much more of a, like, oh, you, huh, when did you figure this out? How many times have we had this conversation? Yeah. It's, it's a much more, uh, it's it's less performance driven. And and I think he's a great actor. Uh, we'll find out if he's a great human. I don't know. But uh, that, that didn't distract me it, it, because his performance was too distracting before that. Right. Um, and I just, I felt like that was a miss. And I, I loved what they were going for. I felt like they didn't know quite what to do with Miss Minutes. Uh, they yeah, that, were they were building to kind of a oh she's a villain but I know they didn't really go anywhere with I it. I know, and, and then I was trying and... to figure out like how that worked with Miss Minutes, yeah. like oh like oh they have a device that she's tethered to, but then like know. she was there first, yeah. so was the device there? Like that stuff started bothering me, and I just didn't yeah. know it worked. Uh, on the flip side, that scene where she's standing over Ravona's shoulder and they put the prisoners in that box and just start shrinking it, yeah. That was, that really chilled me. That was, yeah. and she's smiling in the background and these poor people are just off screen being crushed. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it it had some elements in there. It's not like those middle episodes were totally weak. No, it just, no. They, they did not live up to Loki season one, no. much less the bookends of two. Um, um, another character, like I was wanting more from, am I going to like flub her name? Was it Sophie? The, yes. Yes. Sophia DeMartino. Um. Well, the am I thinking of the right character? Lo, like uh, the other Sylvie, lo- yeah, yeah. So yeah. okay, so Sylvie is the one. I'm yeah. I, I got their names backwards. Her name backwards. Yeah. Sylvie, I wanted more from her. Yeah. Like she felt, felt sidelined in this one, especially yeah. after the first season. Like she, like the romance between them was so strong, and you're like, I don't want. Like, should I not want them to get together? But like you do yeah. because the character the acting is so strong that you believe this relationship is forming and then this one it's like just kind of not talked about anymore and like and you understand like a little bit because of what they went through that but at the same time it's just like there was a connection there that like is lost in this season well and she had such driving agency in the first season and in this season it's like okay i killed him yeah, I can retire in peace now. That's never interesting. I was okay no. with it for the first episode. Yeah, that McDonald's episode. I thought, oh, that, that's kind of cool. Um, but then she was never more than just sort of the the weepy girlfriend in the background and the the damsel in distress or whatever you want to put that. She just and and I again I would have been okay with it until <laughs> like the minute she learned 
which they should have learned, I think, a little earlier, like, oh, no, this is all part of his plan. Yeah. That should have snapped her back into action if they wanted to do the retiring in peace thing. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, my killing him didn't actually kill his plan because right. that's what she cares about. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, I just I never felt part of me wishes um, I love the finale, but part of me wishes she had really regained that agency and it was the two of them ascending the throne and holding time together. Right. Uh, after she had really, you know, if, if he's time traveling around and he's a Loki, why, why can't he just bring her along and they both are working together and take that finale and make it three episodes right. of the back half of this, of them, you know, I, th I think that would have pulled down the Groundhog Day element because it wouldn't have been so montage -y. Yeah. It would have been them, like, solving these problems. And yeah, for sure. And leading to their ascending as these two Lokis. Well, also, it would be interesting, like, him realizing he can't do that on his own. Yeah. That yeah. He, he does not have the, the power yeah. to give this time stream... Um, yeah the life it needs to survive that he needs her just and, like when they face that purple cloud creature yeah it took them like that element was completely abandoned the whole like when we link physically yeah we can do another level of of power yeah kind of and, uh magic yeah and like yeah. they wouldn't be left alone like yeah. they like king and queen yeah. go up the the, the throne stairs yeah. and are keeping this time um stream uh, of connected yeah. streams alive like that would have been interesting yeah because yeah. yeah i just felt like she was sidelined too much yeah. when there was such a she was such a strong part of the first season yeah um i don't know i i there was elements i i like the element in camera which episode where they uh the the um, TVA is destroyed and they're all kind of sent back. That's the fifth one. Is they keep the unraveling it, it in different you, places. And you see where like where they were pulled from. Yeah. Yeah. That that was an element I liked. Yeah. Um, like the what's his name? The one character who was who escaped from Alcatraz. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I can never think of his name. Yeah. Like those <sighs> yeah. little elements I liked. Just yeah. like they are from different time periods and uh, Owen Wilson's character yeah. running the the. Um, <laughs> the uh, jet ski company and, yeah, and the like, two store. bright kids. Yeah. The, <laughs> like this, that yeah. stuff was, and like, man, like that's the stuff where I wanted another, if this had another three episodes or mm -hmm. something, I might've felt differently about it just because there was. If it had if, more time to pull out of that early episode slump. Yeah. From episode three and four with Victor Timely. Yeah, because yeah. it felt like there wasn't a lot going on in the episodes, but also at the same time, there was a lot packed in there. Yeah. But it just felt like those elements could have given more time to breathe. Like, yeah. give me a whole episode on Owen Wilson's character. Like, wouldn't that would have been fun? Like, yeah. you have a whole episode. Um, House of Usher style dedicated to Owen yeah. Wilson in his normal life, and you get to see him as a normal person. I actually thought, so when you first get Sylvie in, in episode two, where she's working at the McDonald's and there's that weird teenager that is her manager yeah. working with her, I thought that was Owen Wilson's character. Oh. And I thought that's how they're going to, like, oh, by episode three, they're going to snap in and he actually has this history with her. Like she oh. was in his life. And, yeah. you know, I, I kept thinking of these mm. things that I felt like season one would have done that just never really bloomed. Right. And uh, I, I kept in that middle stretch disappointing myself with, oh, no, he was 
He was just a kid. And I didn't even think of it until he came out and walked by the truck. Oh. And they had this moment together. And I'm like, it's totally Mobius. Yeah. <laughs> or not. I guess not. Okay. Like, like that, you could have seen her in like, because she never had an ordinary yep. day or life. And she's just yep. working at McDonald's. That could have been yep. some fun, quirky comedy episode. Yep. But she was so down. Yeah. And it's just like, that should be like, I, I pulled it off. Now right. I can just like eat eat a hamburger and work and she should have been like the most happy yeah. uh, McDonald's employee of all time right. where people are weirded out by her but she's just like man isn't this great yeah and then Loki so and Mob the Mobius show up and she's just it's a perfect piece yeah. doing this mundane job yep. and that's why she doesn't want to leave because she's like no this is great yeah 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 and they have to pull her back in and like yeah. show her like oh it didn't work yeah. what you yeah. thought you did didn't work like yeah those, I don't know. Part of me wonders, because because Marvel always builds in a lot for reshoots. Yeah. And part of me, because the the actors and writers strike started when this was still oh. in uh, post-production. Right. And I wonder if not for the strikes, if mm -hmm. they would have caught those things and they would have done some reshoots and tightened up those middle episodes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we'll never know. But yeah. it's, it's just one of those, like, man, I... I wonder. I wonder yeah. what could have been or what was left on the cutting room floor because all of a sudden they didn't have the ability to, uh, you know, to get in there and fine tune. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just it was hard to live up for me to yeah. that first season because yeah. it was it's one of my favorite things I've seen in the past yeah. few years as far as, you know, a, not just a Marvel thing, but just like. A, a television series and um when it really was crisp with the romp by oh, the time yeah. all the lokis are running around that's it's funny it's silly oh, yeah. it's it's rompy and um you know that that that's what it felt like that victor timely old-timey episode wanted to be yeah and it just couldn't get the rhythm yeah just couldn't didn't have enough elements or didn't have enough i, I don't know yeah and i think the thing about that that turned me off a little bit too because it was kind of just straight time travel mm -hmm. and i felt like in the first season there was always some other kind of odd element that was not just time travel but yeah. another dimension yeah. that you're not familiar with completely mm -hmm. um but i i didn't regret watching i, no. I enjoyed it yeah. but it was just not up there like the first season yeah. for me it almost feels like a season 1.5 yeah for me instead yeah, of a, yeah. a full two right um but you know is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I really, I, I enjoyed it more than you, but I yeah. had to forgive a lot to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, uh, The Fallen House of Usher, oh my goodness, get out and watch this thing. It is well worth your time. Loki uh, mileage may vary, probably based on your love of the MCU and your patience with uh, some some weak spots, which I don't think season one had. Season one had no, just it was straight yeah. climb to the top. This really kind of goes down the valley before it starts climbing again. Um, but it's it's got some good stuff. Yeah. And uh, there's there's a higher level of writing in this, I think, than, than most uh, MCU outings. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's give Sinatron a spin and, and see what's going to accompany our killer episode next week. Oh, maybe another killer movie. We, that'll just uh, you know, perfectly slot in. Totally killer. Uh, if you watch it, and also has killer in the title, then we'd have the killer. We'd have totally killer. And we'd have uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, that might be a good option. Killer, killer, killer. Let's see what Sinatron spins up. All right.
Okay, Ken. All right. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't have the name or word killing in the title, oh. but there might be killing in the film. Okay. Um, and this is Damsel ah, from 2018. Ah, yes. uh, it was it was actually originally titled Killer Damsel, uh, <laughs> which we'll just roll with here. But uh, this this or, has... uh, Damsels be killing. <laughs> this is. Uh... This is um, Robert Pattinson, right? Yeah, he's. I, I have not watched it, but I I, I'll watch anything that's got Robert Pattinson in it. He's such a surprising and, and good actor. Samuel Alabaster, okay. an affluent pioneer, ventures across the American frontier to marry the love of his life, Penelope. Okay. As his group traverses the West, the once simple journey grows treacherous, blurring Ooh. the lines between hero, villain, damsel, and killer. <laughs> killer. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, original title, Killer Damsel. Uh, just total coincidence there. Yeah. There you go. I don't know why they dropped it. It's just, just not to, they weren't thinking about our podcast. I know that's the problem. That's the mistake they made. Yep, yep. That's why I haven't heard of it that much before now. Because yep. that's that's every <sighs> single time you're trying to search for a movie, you just yep. put killing in first. Yep. And uh, there's not you don't you watch a lot of bad movies, but yeah, oh well. you know. But yeah, you get there eventually. Yeah. All right. Well, Clint, this has been a good one. Uh, I'm actually excited to continue my trek down Mike Flanagan series that I have missed. Uh, I'm about halfway through what I wanted to watch. So. How did you feel about my um, totally real um, sequel movies? That... Oh, my gosh. Clint, <laughs> Clint, Clint, Clint. Uh, one, well-stacked and ordered because I laughed more and more. <laughs> By the time it got to the Hellraiser Gillette commercial... <laughs> I was just on the floor. It was so funny. And the guy, ah! oh, I'm glad you liked it. I do it only to amuse you. It, that's fine. Yeah. I, I love it so much. And um, it it just, uh, we got emails about it. I'm uh, sorry if we get sued uh, by Gillette. No, no, no. <laughs> the, the one message that I have in our next mailbag, the one line in it uh, just would make your day. But it's just like, this was so much better than the Hulu Hellraiser reboot. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, actually it was. Hopefully I'll um, get the job of writing the next one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. It's just a bunch of people shaving and then yeah, you know, going yeah. into weird hell, hell dimensions. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode 94 of Cinebabble. Uh, as always, you can find us at Cinebabble on Instagram or uh, contact us at contact at Cinebabblecast.com, which is our website. Uh, and, uh, you know. Drop us a line, and we need to do better. I say this all the time with a mailbag, but let us uh, let love us know from you. what you listen to this on. Yeah. Because I yeah. I was going through like the Apple like numbers and stuff. I'm like, it doesn't look like to me anybody's listening to this. But maybe somewhere else you're finding this. Well, yeah, and it's I've I've gotten a lot of it's a lot of Spotify and a lot of Apple. Uh huh. But SoundCloud is still registering numbers strangely. Yeah. And they the last correspondence I had with them, they don't know what's going on. And I'm like, cool, cool. Could you just reset the account? Well, not without deleting all of your episodes. Cool. Uh. Awesome. Because I'm wondering um, if Apple is broken too somehow because like they just registered like, oh, two people listened. And no way. Yeah, <laughs> that's because because like when you look at uh, back at our numbers, it was in the, the hundreds and sometimes thousands and it was climbing. And then all of a sudden it drops to like 60 and yeah. 50 and like what the heck just happened? So uh, maybe some, something on our end or I, I don't know. If you know how to fix this, tell us. Yeah, please. Because... <laughs> Uh, unless, you know, just several thousand people just decide, nah, no more. Yeah. Uh, all at once, just on the same episode. They were like, you know what? No, I'm done. 
I don't, I don't like these babblers anymore. It was probably when you did your Australian accent. Probably. probably. <laughs> I, it, we, we had a very large listening base in Australia. I, yeah. I think you've... It was solely Australia. Yeah, and yeah. 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 Sorry. Well, and Taika Watiti would just listen to us hundreds of times just on his own. And I think after you trashed Thor Love and Thunder, mm. that was that was it for Taika. You know what my favorite movie is now? What is Thor, it? Thor Love and Thunder. Ah, there you go. Come on. Come on back, Come Taika. on, Taika. Come on. <laughs> All right. This has been episode 94. As always, kids, have a good time. And, uh, you know, just send us what you're listening to. I know there are more people listening because I get more messages than our current listener count is showing. So it's it's very frustrating. Uh, but, uh, you know, just keep on listening. Yeah. It's it's all good. We have a good time. Mm -hmm. All right. See you later, Clint. Later, Ken. Have a good one. You too.